the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. My name's Ellie Greening. And my name's Sandra Patel-Stewart. On this podcast, we will be interviewing some of the UK's greatest tech leaders. We'll be discussing war stories, battle scars, and their learnings from their journeys. Hopefully, you will pick up some great tips, learn from others' experiences, and have a good laugh along the way. everyone thank you very much for tuning in to the let's talk leadership podcast so super happy this week that we've got the fantastic david solid on the podcast hi david hi so david is the chief operating officer at im asset management so erwin mitchell asset management is an independent independent financial planning and investment management company dedicated to providing first class financial solutions and investment services to both professionals and individuals Fantastic. Hi, David. It's great to have you on board. Um, so we had a great chat um, last week, um, just kind of, I guess, running through um, a few of how this podcast, um, the session will work. Um, and I know that you've got quite a broad um, background um, and I think you were quite keen to um, to display that message and get that message across to the viewers and listeners today. What would be really good to start with um, is just to kick off with um, a little bit, telling the viewers a little bit more about you, um, about your journey, how you got to um, COO, um, as I understand that you um, started as an analyst programmer, didn't you, at Sheffield City Council? So I did. Well, probably, yeah. Went from there. <laughs> Starting with early career then, I, mean, I, I, I guess one of the first things to highlight when people talk about careers is I, I didn't probably take the usual path, which was off to university and then a graduate scheme. I, I left school at 17, decided I didn't want to study anymore and started doing admin roles and then got my first job as a, tra- as a trainee mainframe operator. Wow. Um, <laughs> I remember the days of recruiting mainframe engineers. <laughs> yeah, so ICL mainframes for Sheffield Council. And then um, did all my studying while I worked. Uh, and pretty much, I think I've done every single IT job there is on the way up, whether that's <laughs> a bit of help desk support, networks, analyst programmer. Um, I think... You know, you look at moments in your career when you think, oh, that was a, a pivotal moment. So when I was an analyst programmer, I really enjoyed adding value to different parts of the business. And I also was studying at Sheffield Business School for an MBA. And when I'd finished that, I think that was when I realised that my career aspirations were probably not going to be fulfilled within local government. Mm-hmm. So I left there and went to work for Logica, who um, existed up to about three years ago. Um, and they were a technical consultancy doing work for lots of sectors. I worked in energy and utilities, and we did work for the likes of British Gas, Yorkshire Electricity. Did three fan- fantastic years working for them as a technical consultant um, the standard that they set in terms of uh, delivery and some of the people that you worked worked with were just super, super smart people. And um, 
I think what I definitely realised in that stage that I was never going to be the world's greatest programmer. (laughs) (laughs) But I think what I started to realise at that point was probably where my strengths were and that was that was very much more at the people end of, of technology delivery and working with clients. Um, so I'd started to get into project management when I was there. I then uh, moved to GE uh, in, in Leeds, the consumer finance business in Leeds, mm-hmm. uh, and spent um, with them about five, six years with them. I think GE was another one of those points in my career where quite um quite defining moment and for for better for worse GE's got a very strong culture it's very big on its management training had some great opportunities to really stretch myself and moved I guess quite rapidly from uh project manager program manager heading up a department and and delivering some quite um big things moving business from Edinburgh to Leeds um and then I took on my first CIO role, so moved to another G business, which was a corporate credit card business across across Europe. And we built the business up from um, break even up to a couple of million turnover a year. And that was great being part of something that really, you know, adding value at the sharp end. That business was acquired by American Express globally. Um and I took that as an opportunity to move on again. So I worked for part of a Canadian bank, Toronto Dominion, which is a big Canadian North American powerhouse bank. Uh, in the UK, they were uh, the stockbroking business. So if you uh, if you want to do your own trading, what they call execution only stockbroking. So <clears throat> we were running a business in in Leeds. I a we had a joint venture with NatWest. Uh, we had a business in Luxembourg, which was for expats and non-DOM clients. And then we acquired an outsourcing business in in Birmingham. And part, again, of a, of a great team that built um, a fantastic business. That was, that was my biggest tech role. So I had 180 staff across those four sites. I think what you become start to become very clear of then is about your leadership and how you carry yourself and or what messages that you want to put out to the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, I then took a bit of a change in career. I got the opportunity to sort of rethink what I wanted to do. I left TD and uh, I decided I want to have a I want to have a go working for myself. So. I did about three years doing consultancy for very different organizations. I did six months working for ASDA in Leeds, which was coming from financial services, which was completely different. You know, the the focus, the energy, the speed of delivery was... What was... What would you say the biggest um, challenge was? Because obviously up until then, you'd worked within consultancy, financial services, investment... And um, moving into retail, how like what were the biggest kind of challenges adapting to the environment and culture? So I think uh, the pace is the main thing. You know, it's it's a very immediate business. It's you know these are these are the grocery results this week. This is how it compares to plan. 
this is our share of market against Tesco's, Morrison's, Sainsbury's. This is what we're only going to do next week. And so the speed of delivery is beyond what I'd seen in financial services. I think as well in financial services, for a long time, you sort of felt that technology was leading the way, whereas in retail, you get absolutely the point that the, I think it's changed a bit now, but at that time, the shops, the physical shops are the most important thing, and it's the clients going in there, and everybody is delivering towards that. And it, so a real sense of togetherness and real strong leadership, and it was, it was a fascinating place to work. Really enjoyed that. Um, and then I worked, uh, I did six months working for Virgin Money as their interim change director. Again, very different business, bit of a sort of challenger bank. Um, very interesting time. And then I went to AJ Bell in Manchester, who are a big uh, SIP provider and online stockbroking. And then I got the opportunity to join Erwin Mitchell. Um, I think being part of something why so I really enjoyed working for myself what I missed was be- belonging to something and building something I, I like that sense of yeah. belonging and, and looking back and, and a, a legacy I suppose of, of what you deliver so um, I was living back in Sheffield by then and it was just perfect you know great opportunity of a business that was I could really add value to that was looking to grow with with a broader skill set for me, um, so it was a perfect opportunity. Cool. So when when you joined um, IM Asset Management as CEO, what what was the kind of um, you know were you brought in to take over a role, and was it BAU or were you brought in specifically to take lead on? Um, so yeah, so they'd never they'd not had a COO before. Um, I suppose the broad remit that I was given was. was was to take 75% of the chief exec's role off him. So Mm -hmm. the the chief exec is also the chief investment officer, so he's looking after all the money. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was to free free him up and become a much bigger business. I think specifically it was about how um, how we could grow the business at the top line, but also from a productivity point of view, how we could control operational costs and they've got quite a lot of experience of putting in tech change transformation to control costs whilst growing the top line. So, so, so that was the original remit when I, when I came in. Um, and over the five or six years I've been here now, we've completely replaced the core platform of technology. So it's now built on a, a software package, which is um, a Microsoft stack, which enables us to take advantage of things like Microsoft Dynamics uh, workflow. So we've got much better, we're starting to control the productivity, but also give the client a much better and richer experience. And then slightly broader, I've I've got the responsibility now for um, things like the the relationship with some of the head office functions. So we're part of a much bigger group, the Irwin Mitchell group, which people probably recognize more as a as a law firm than a financial services firm. So we um, we get a lot of our service from them. So HR, marketing, IT. So I manage those relationships as well. And it's about making sure we're getting the best out of what they're delivering 
taking the best and making sure that delivers for us as a business. Great, fantastic. Um, an impressive background. Um, you know, obviously, you've worked for some great businesses, some really big brands, and you've got quite a diverse background in terms of industries. Um, and obviously, starting in tech, you've worked your way up through um, from a leadership point of view. I think that would um, bring us quite nicely on telling um, the viewers more about your um, leadership style and what, um, yeah, if you could go into a bit more detail about your leadership style and perhaps um, around what, how your teams would describe you as well. <laughs> yeah, so it's, a, it's an interesting question, this, isn't it? You know, it's um, that little bit of uh, self-analysis. Um, <laughs> Always easy to do, is it? <laughs> I'm, I'm very... When I when I went to work for Logica, I used to work over in their Manchester office, and uh, they used to say to me, "You're a typical Yorkshireman, you, you know. You, <laughs> you say, you see." <laughs> and I, and I, I took that as a compliment. <laughs> I think it is. It certainly is. <laughs> I think I'm, you know, I'm a very, I'm very transparent in in my leadership style. I'm what you see is what you get. Um, if if you came to see me at home, I'm no different to I am in the office. Um, I wear my heart on my sleeve. People know when I'm frustrated. People know when I'm excited. Um, I treat people, hopefully, how um, I would like to be treated. I think, you know, it doesn't matter what level you're at. I think, you know, you treat people as an equal. Um, I think that's really important. I'm a great believer in developing people. So uh, I've had some really rewarding uh, colleagues who've gone on to greater things. Uh, I try and engage with everybody. I think that's a, a really important part and mm-hmm. make sure people understand the message. I think the message needs to be quite simple. People need to understand why they're doing something. It's the, It's not just here's the strategy, it's the why and how do they fit. I think that, that, if you can get to the point where people can feel that what they do makes a difference and they can see that that helps move the business forward and deliver on the business goals, then I think you've done you've you've got half the battle. Yeah, it's about bringing them on that journey, isn't it? So that you're yeah. communicating the journey that you are building and, and going on as a team, um, so yeah. that they feel part of it and they're going on that journey with you. Yeah. I think actually we interviewed someone um, yesterday, Jo, who's the CTO at the Hub Group, and she was saying that she, one of her greatest skills as a leader is her storytelling, which I think is a really nice way of putting it, that she explains the story to everyone so they all know the direction they're heading in, which is so important in leadership, isn't it? And sometimes that's quite easily forgotten. I think I know that from experience that obviously explaining to everyone the picture and the vision and what you're trying to do. So, yeah, definitely amazing. Now, we all know, obviously, you've done your sort of like master's. So you've done that education piece, which I'm sure brought with it so much, so many learnings. Um, but I think we all know that you kind of get your hardest learning and your toughest learning when you're deep in the trenches. So it would be interesting if you're able to share any sort of war stories or battle scars that you, that you've gained along the way, but where you've learned the most from it, which then in turn will help our listeners um, learn and develop and hopefully save them getting the same pickle. (laughs) Yeah. I think again, spent some time thinking about this. I mean, I think generally 
I was thinking, you know, what, what, where, what are the points in my career where I've learned the most, where, where have I moved forward? And I think it's, I think first and foremost, it's about being stretched. So I think if you, if you sit in your comfort zone and that's all you ever do, then you're not going to get those battle scars because it's a very sort of safe ride. Mm. And so one of the things I'm doing now is I've got responsibility for a team of about a dozen financial advisors and I'm having to learn a lot more about the front end of the business and about business development and about financial planning. And it's really interesting. It's, it's great working with those guys with a lot of energy and you know, slightly out of my comfort zone, which is, I think, it, it, you know, it's not so much a battle scar, but it's about moving forward. Um, I think other times, are perhaps when I've been passed over for a promotion, again, it's those it's those points and how you respond to that. So at GE, I was passed over and then got promoted twice within 18 months. So I think it's about how you respond to those. In terms of real battle scars, I think the one that stands out was we were launching this big rebrand around... Uh, the, it was a, it was an online business, so it was a re- big rebrand of the website, the whole brand. And when I when I look back now, I think, why did they do that? But <laughs> we we had a, a huge release upgrade to all our systems on the weekend, and the, and the and the rebrand was launching on the Monday morning, and we had um, we got digital marketing across. Uh, the underground in central London. We've got big banners at London Bridge Station. And on the Sunday night when we were doing the testing for this release, there was a problem with the compatibility of the website with some of our other services. And on the Monday morning... What time was it on a Sunday night when you had that? So the the release (laughs) should take all weekend. And this was about... This was by the time we brought all the services back up. This was the last bit of of regression testing we were doing. So it was like ten, eleven o'clock Sunday night, <laughs> and we thought we'd got it to a good place. But on the Monday morning, when the traffic, when people ramped up, it, it did not perform well. It was like a three-legged dog, and. I've got my marketing director who's got oh, spent all this money on this advertising. That was a very uncomfortable day. Um, oh, we fixed it that night and, you know, we got through it. But I think it was just those, some of those simple things that, you know, we'd spent months planning this thing about, you know, what could go wrong. And actually a really simple thing where you think, well, why did we launch a massive rebrand the day after a big tech upgrade? That was just, so obvious not to do so i think i guess the message is you can have all the complicated plans you can have all your risk mitigation but actually sometimes you just need some common sense to look at something and say is that the right thing to do uh i think the only other thing i was going to say is you know if if i think about real battle scars and i think this talks to a, a little bit about me as a leadership style is you know the real the real challenges and things that define me have not been in the workplace. They are things that have happened to me personally. And I think that's, and I think also that gives me a perspective on work. So I think, yeah, I think yes, work's important. Yes. That whole, those battle scars, but I think you've got to keep a sense of perspective on things. Yeah, I agree with that. I think like you say, it's things that you 
it, your lifestyle in general it dictates doesn't it your leadership style and your progression and development in that piece so yeah no that's definitely definitely really interesting and that's what one of the things i find quite most rewarding about the job that i do now so um i guess the thing that erwin mitchell is most famous for if you like is his personal injury business so people who've had catastrophic life-changing injuries whether that's road traffic accidents accidents at work and we work alongside the legal business to look after those clients after they've had a the set, well during the process but particularly after the settlement um investing that money for the long for the rest of their lives and you meet some incredible people who have achieved fantastic things with you know some really life-changing injuries and I think that you know that's quite humbling to work with people like that and you get a real perspective of, of what's important in life mm. yeah definitely um we've talked um or you've you've talked um <laughs> your um leadership experience your leadership style um what um what have you how have you adapted and what have you had to kind of change in recent times to ensure that your teams continue to follow you as a leader to to lead their teams um to like i guess unite the teams given the current circumstances yes i think it, i think it's been really interesting i mean it, it, you know it's like a big social experiment really um i so we've got everybody working from home um we've got and, and everything's working well. I mean, there's a couple of, in the first couple of weeks when, um, you know, running around and plugging this thing into that thing to make sure everything worked. But we've got into a nice rhythm now where everything's working well. And I think it's really challenged me and some of the exec around our thinking, you know, men of a certain age thinking that home working for everybody's not going to work and we need people mm -hmm. in the office. And I, I think it, you know, it's it's really blown that out of the water. I think, you know, mm. we're working really well. I think in terms of the leadership and the team, you know, we we stay connected. We've got Microsoft Teams rolled out now. We're doing weekly calls with everybody. I think it's really important to stay connected. You know, people have got there's a lot of challenges at the moment, aren't there? People have got kids at home. Mm perhaps usually have grandparents around helping out a big support network and a lot, a lot of that's not there. So I think, you know, you've got to be cognizant of people have got lots of other things going on in their life. We've tried to create an environment that people feel they can raise those issues. Um, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of humor in there as well. You know, when we're doing the weekly calls, it's not just about the business, but we've, we try to share lots of updates with them. And then I think it's just trying to reach out to individuals as well, though, you know, you probably talk to while you're grabbing a coffee in the office, but maybe you don't talk to them in the in your normal line of work. So it's just trying to stay connected with people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely. And it's, I think it's, um, I think it certainly brought us all closer together. Um, that's a general kind of consensus that I'm certainly getting from speaking to my network is that a lot of businesses are now working much closer, teams are closer, um, people that, like you said, you know, you might grab a cup of coffee with or might just walk past in the 
um, in the canteen or something you might say hello to that I think certain people are, you know, you have, they're having more meaningful conversations now. Um, what would be really interesting to, um, to know as well is, do you think how you've kind of, I guess, adapted over the last couple of months, do you think there are the things that, you, that may change within your business and the culture um, moving forwards and I guess when we get to whatever the new norm's going to be? <laughs> Yes, I think that's yeah. I think that's a really, really interesting question, isn't it? I mean, I, we've we've already started talking about this as an exec, and, and and we're adamant that we don't want to go back to the old normal. Um, we've proven that we don't need to have everybody in the office five days a week, and and for some individuals, <clears throat> that's quite a change because they have a, a long commute. So straight away, you know you've got a couple of hours back in your day. Um, and I think it's about, irrespective of where somebody is, how can they be the most productive? And and that can be not only from a physical point of view, but I think also about maybe their, their working pattern or how they work. So I think we, we will be a lot more open to those things. Um, in terms of the office, the bricks and the mortar, I think that will be a place which will be much more about that social side. I mean, certainly for me, the one thing I really miss is that seeing somebody, the social side of, of, of being part of a team. You know, as, as I said before, when I was when I was working for myself, I missed that sense of belonging. And I, and I think that's a really important part, particularly as a leader, is that you, you know, you in you set the culture in a business. And I think to keep that going, that that physical presence of being in the same place is really important. So I think that will be an important part. And then uh, I guess it's a bit of a buzzword, but the whole thing about collaborative spaces and how, how does the physical office change so that actually it becomes much more about problem solving or collaboration than it is about that's my desk and that's where I go and sit and work nine to five. Mm. Definitely. It'll be interesting, obviously, your experience as a leader and you, you've got an amazing career, but it'd be great to find out a little bit more about what makes you tick, I guess, and what you're really passionate about and what excites you. So, um, yeah, is there something in particular that you're really passionate about? In work. <laughs> work and life. Yeah. Like you say, they both merge anyway. <laughs> I, I think in work... It, it, I think it's about doing a great job for your clients. And I, I'm very, you know, I'm very proud, I guess, of what I've achieved. And it, so it's important for me to do a good job, I suppose, you know, my personal brand. So at, at work, that's an important thing for me. I, I mean, I don't have any sort of particularly grand ideas about a legacy other than to sort of say I, I want to make sure that whenever I've left a job I've left it in a much better state than when I arrived um right, I yeah. guess I guess others will be the judge of that mm-hmm. um, <laughs> my passions um for my sins my football team Sheffield Wednesday who are the underachievers now for the last 20 years but you know it'd be easy to follow a good side wouldn't it so that's a that's a passion i have a season ticket and have had for a number of years right 
you know, family. I've got three boys uh, ranging from the youngest is five, the eldest is 20. So wow. spending time with them is, is really important. Um, they all support Sheffield Wednesday as well. They, they have no choice. <laughs> they are they are fourth fourth generation. You know there is if there's one thing that that, that is nailed on at birth, it is. <laughs> That's brilliant, brilliant. Um, obviously you've achieved some impressive things over your career, but what there must be one kind of project or one thing that stands out to you as your greatest achievement. What is that? Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I first arrived at um, TD, the business had grown quite quickly, but the technology hadn't really grown with it. So um, we were having quite a few problems with the technology. And for, for, for whatever reason, the, 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 there was a bit of a rift between the technology department and the rest of the business and you know my my view was we've got problems to solve we do that as a business and we put I had some great support from my boss who was the chief exec and we we put in some some changes straight away that gave us some breathing space uh, and people not only saw that stability in the platform but what they also saw was a change in the way that we operated and it was very much we work as as part of the business one of my pet hates is when people in it talk about the business as if as if that's some sort of external thing you know (laughs) you're you are part of the business and i think that relationship of working with partners across the business and delivering something together is really important. So I think that that cultural change, along with with the technology, set us on a, a good path. So that over the following four or five years, we we delivered some great things together. Brilliant. Um. So obviously, it's it's um, Mental Health Awareness um, Week, and um, you're in a. a particularly senior position you've um, had a lot of leadership experience I'm sure you've had a lot of sleepless nights along along that journey and um, it'd be really good to understand and, and to um, give the listeners some um, tips and advice around how you've kept yourself sane healthy how you've managed stress yeah when, when I saw your question on this I thought <laughs> But how I manage my stress doesn't always doesn't necessarily keep me healthy. <laughs> the, uh, the, box of, the, the box of wine that I got delivered last week was a testament to that. <laughs> um, it's got to be done sometimes, though, hasn't it? It's hard, yeah. I mean, it's getting everyone through lockdown at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, our recycle bin's never been so full. <laughs> I think. I, mean, I think the first thing to say is, I, th- I think the openness now that people can talk about mental health issues is is an absolute light years away from just just probably ten years ago. You know, I think it's 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 so much more acceptable to talk about that now, and I think that's a real breath of fresh air. I think, you know, it's the it's the one 
illness, isn't it, where people, you know, somebody could be suffering and you, and you might never know. And I think, you know, we all make assumptions about people. And I think it, it's great that we are, I guess, as a as a nation, as a, uh, getting to a point where it's it's acceptable to talk about that. You know, specifically uh, at Irwin Mitchell, that you know we do a lot around the mental health, and I think you know, it's a very supportive network around that. As an as an individual, um, I, mean, I think I have, I've probably learned the hard way in some ways. You know, I think you know when I look back, there are a couple of times in my career where I, I was suffering a little bit with stress, and I think you you know I now I now recognise those those signs and. and I think take, taking time out, spending time with the family, having downtime, having exercise is really important. Um, I think talking to people, you know, I think that's that's really important. Those things that give you a bit of escapism. And I think the other thing as well is, you know, I talked a little bit about this earlier, but I think you do keep it in perspective. You know, it is, it is about uh, a job. Uh, I... I lost my wife about 12 years ago now to cancer. And I think that, you know, when you, so when you're up against those tough moments at where you think actually, you know, it's not wife and death. And you, you, I think you've got to keep a sense of perspective on things. Yeah. Gosh, sorry yeah. to hear that, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, um, it's tough, isn't it? And like you say, having a support network and being able to speak to people is so important and wait for the day. Hey, where we don't have to have a mental health awareness week. And it's completely destigmatized and it's the new normal, isn't it? So yeah, bring on yeah. that day. However yeah. far away it may be. I think it's yeah. such a different place to where we were 10 years ago regarding, you know, those things. I and mean, even if you, you look on LinkedIn, there's more and more people opening up and being open and honest and transparent and there's more support out there Um, it is starting to become more of a, a normal thing to be able to talk about you know how you're feeling how you're struggling you're stressed anxiety yeah 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 cool fantastic um so it'd be nice to um end on um I guess finding out a bit more about what's coming up for you is what what you're excited about or what kind of big plans do you have over the next six to twelve months um, longer term? Um, so from a bit from a business perspective, it's it's um, we've we're trying to grow out a more typical uh, wealth management business, so high net worth, and that's quite fledgling at the moment but i think we've got exciting plans in in place to keep growing that we we've um adopted the erwin mitchell brand so we are under the erwin mitchell brand now rather than am asset management we've erwin mitchell has got a national presence offices in every major city you know we want to put financial planners in every every office you know there's a the service offering that i think we have um, working with clients, I think that that's a, quite a unique proposition that we can take, uh, and that means that we will we will do well. Uh, we have fantastic retention rates of business. There, we've got retention rates this year of ninety nine percent. Wow! Our MPS. I don't know if you're familiar with the MPS, but our Net Promoter Score is over ninety percent, which is world class. You know, I think. There's lots of things there which are great foundations for building 
a great business. So I think, you know, over the next two, three, four years, that's, that's going to be really exciting. Um, uh, something I talked about earlier was the um, investment in technology. So I think we've, you know, we're looking now at, I suppose, on back on the back of this lockdown is, you know, how can we use technology in our business? How can we use it for our clients, for our advisors at the at the sharp end of the business to deliver something very different, but uh, but just as engaging as and as exciting. So you know they're all really exciting things. From a, on, a, on a personal level, yeah, I guess the point we can get on an aeroplane again would be nice. <laughs> right? Or you can get back to Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> as soon as you can get on an aeroplane, where are you going? What's, where's the first place you're going to go to? Well, if you, if you ask my youngest two kids, it would be Disney in Florida. <laughs> um, if it was just me and the wife, it would definitely be a, a, a city break. Uh, we went to uh, Bruges for my 50th about 18 months ago. And that was you know, a weekend away from the kids. Um, oh, perfect. <laughs> lots of Belgian beers and good food and friends. So it would be a city break for us two or, or Disney with the kids. Yeah. Ah, oh, fantastic. I was looking <laughs> to get um, a city break in at the start of this year, actually, because it was a few of my friends' 40th at the back end of last year. So we went. I went to Lisbon in January. I was so lucky to get that in. I'm just, like, really pleased that I uh, had that night. And, and it was a girly weekend, away from the family, away from my little boy. Um, I think we all keep dreaming of it, don't we? I keep going on Monday night, just looking at things like, can't wait for the day, but hey ho, we're in the situation we are in, and it's nice to have things to, like you say, to look forward to. And it sounds like there's some really exciting plans for the business, which is super exciting. So, firstly, I want to say a massive thanks for coming on and spending a bit of time with us. Appreciate your super busy day. So, thank you so much for coming on um, the podcast today. Um, if um, listeners do want to get in touch about any of the topics that you've mentioned or have a chat regarding um, opportunities, is it okay if they LinkedIn? Is that the best form of contact for you? Yeah, absolutely fine. Yeah, no problem at all. Happy to uh, chat to anybody about what we've talked about today. Fantastic. Yeah, it's been fantastic having you on the podcast. So thank you very much, Dave. And thank you very much to everyone for tuning in to the Let's Talk. Thank you. Thanks. Mm-hmm.